America. My name is I'm Yosef Frempong. I come to you live every Thursday afternoon. I'm going to give you a special, it was this Monday show, before my kids come home. And I just want to tell you, a lot of people are getting the road debate wrong, or they're just confusing the issue, because the confusion is who gets to have sex? Who gets to have sex and what they should be able to do in order to have sex? That's what's going on. A lot of the straights think that sex is for them. A lot of the heteros uh, think, and I'm a hetero myself, but a lot of them think, especially the white ones, think they own sex. And they decide who gets to have it, when, and under what conditions, and what the cost should be. And, and look, if sex is the most important thing in your life, then this becomes uh, an issue. If the only thing you bring to the table is your ability to provide sex, of and you know some of the reproductive aspects that go along with that can go along with sex then um you know you're gonna build a whole ideology a whole ideological edifice around that because that's all you got <laughs> right so if all you got is your ability to provide or um either withhold or perform sex then you're gonna like i think it's gonna you're gonna be liable to sex panics you're going to put a little bit too much dignity in how other people have sex and maybe even be a little bit confused about how you have sex, right? So that uh, people are saying, well, you know, it's about women's right to choose and it's about women's right to choose to have sex, right? It's also about the medical procedure, but really I think what's going on is we like, we want to control sex. And who gets to have it? And you know, I spent what, 25, the first 25 years of my life, well not the first 25 years, probably from 10, from 10 to 25, good 15 years, and those are good years, trying to get sex and get better sex and more interesting sex. So like, it's not as if sex isn't a huge, like resource um, suck, <laughs> right? So of course it does a lot of work in our politics, but I think confusing the work it does in our politics, our political imagination, and how this gets transfigured and transformed into other discourses kind of confuses what this is about. This is about who gets to have sex. And to be honest, a lot of America is about who gets to ask for sex, who gets to have sex, and what they should be what they should have to do in order to get sex. Like, and you know, a lot of these are gender issues because the who gets to ask for sex, you get that's where a lot of the harassment versus coming on comes in and then who gets to have sex like without and if you and if you want to have the kind of sex you want to have you better be willing to pay the cost right of uh that means like you know that's got to come with risk you don't get to just enjoy sex of uh, straight sex right so that's a lot of what's going on who gets to enjoy non-protective sex who gets to enjoy not objectively the best sex, maybe. Some people, some people might enjoy sex with a condom more um, than they enjoy sex without a condom, without it having to do with the psychological anxiety of sex without a condom, including sex. They just might like the feel of the condom. Um, I don't know, because I'm, I'm not one of those people. But I don't know if having condoms on is your kink. That's possible. Um, but yes, a lot of this is who gets to have sex without pills? Um, who gets to have sex in the prime of their sexual, you know, life? Who gets to have that kind of sex? That's what's going on. And some people think it's a luxury good. 
that only people in a certain sort of relationship should have. Some people think it's an abstract universal. That means uh, it, it doesn't have any sort of, it doesn't determine what it is besides sex. It, like you can just have sex and just want to have sex and that be it. It doesn't mean that like, if you have sex, that also means you have these other characteristics. You want kids, you, you know, like all of that stuff. Um, it could just be this abstract universal that just people who have sex are just people who have sex and not people who also want to be in a committed relationship with people. Like, I do think that there are some qualifications. I don't think you should have sex with someone you're not, you don't like, you don't respect because it's a very intimate and vulnerable thing. So you should at least respect the person you're having sex with, enjoy them <laughs> um, as people, not just as like, you know, bodies you're having sex at. You should probably like, like them. And this goes for people who like professional sex work. So I always, I heard there was a, uh, there was a runner who was famous in the nineties, Susie Hamilton. And she, um, she was, you know, mid distance runner. She went to a few Olympics and then about 10 years ago, it turned out she, she became a high class prostitute. Now, um, what she would do is fly to Las Vegas and then become a high class prostitute in Las Vegas and then fly back home to like her, you know, husband and kids in Michigan or whatever. And I just thought that was interesting because I think maybe at the time when I heard she was a prostitute, I thought she was single. I, I was single or like, you know, still like, you know, and I was like, huh, I would pay if I just had like $3,000 laying around. I would think, you know, if I just had like an extra $3,000 laying around, I would like to have sex with Susie Hamilton. I think that'd be great. Oh, well, the idea would be like, you'd like go to dinner, talk about her gold medal or not her gold medals, like talk about running. Cause you know, that was a runner, especially then, um, talk about what it's like to go to the Olympics. Cause I'd be fascinated. I would, I, <laughs> I would like to go to the, and hang out in the Olympic village just for the sex, but, um, so yeah, so I would, I would, we would have dinner, talk about like what it was like to go to the Olympics. I think she went to multiple Olympics and then laugh and then, you know, have athletic sex throughout the whole night, wake up the next morning, run, go on a run. Cause like, it's still pretty cool to go on a run with an Olympic runner. That's kind of a turn on, right? So like, and then. Like go have breakfast and then that would be it. And I'd be like, if I had like just $3,000 laying around, that would not be the worst use of $3,000. And I like, I think that would be good sex because I would respect her. And I think, <laughs> I think that would be fine. Right. So that was, that would be like what it would be. So there's a way in which you could have a relationship with a sex worker that I think is consistent with good sex. Um, and you know, I'm not, I, I, I need, I used to be like against sex work. And then I saw this episode of Borgen. It's funny, Borgen's a television show um, that actually like put the arguments for it. And I was like, oh, okay, I could see how it's a profession and a service. Um, like not one that I, I would particularly like, because I, I think I need someone who's, who wants to have sex with me in order to really enjoy having sex. <laughs> I, I need, I need you to feel <laughs> like you actually like, like, me or like I've somehow <laughs> convinced you that you like me. There's something that I, I, I need something else. I can't just be a monetary change. Maybe it's just because I've never had money. But if it was just $3,000, 
Uh, and I just had like that kind of money around. I guess I would. I guess I would pay for it. I just, I've just never. That's just never. Money has never been my first lead. <laughs> that's never really how. Uh, I've never uh, pretended that I was an owner, in order to get laid. Um, so the role repeal. A lot of it's about who gets to have sex, because a lot of America is about who gets to have sex, and what kind of sex they get to have, and the cost, what they should have to go through to get it. The ordeal they should have to endure to get sex and the risk they should have to take on to get sex. And who gets to ask for sex? And there's all of these kind of like questions around sex. And you say that that's kind of ridiculous. But then you think how much of your life have you um, devoted to like getting into or avoiding sex? And that's like a significant amount of at least my life. And I was just thinking, you know, my younger life. And, and I was just thinking... Yeah, I think that's a lot of what's going on. It's a different kind of sex panic. But, and sure, there's like, you know, controlling women, bodies, and the abortion, that's a deal. But I, I do think there are other aspects. By the way, another aspect of the, the, the sex debate that doesn't get talked about, or the abortion debate that doesn't get talked about is, it's not so much... Like bodily autonomy arguments, I don't think go so far. So there are other arguments. One of the other arguments is that this is about forced labor. <laughs> like, like it's literally forced labor. And I think that's an argument that should be talked about more than like my body, my choice. Because like we, you know, there are a lot of things that get, are being withdrawn because of your vaccination status, for example. And um, you, you got to deal with that. But forced labor is is, I think, a good argument. Another argument, and I think one that definitely doesn't get talked about enough, is forced family. The forced immediate connection with someone that you can't help but love. Now think about, think about all of the reasons you don't want your significant other to give you a pet, because then you gotta take care of it, but it's so adorable, you wanna take care of it, but it's a responsibility and it kind of screws up the other aspects of your life. Imagine that times one million. Right, and you can like, and that's what you get with a kid. So that's a forced immediate, forced family, forced immediate responsibility that you can't really extricate yourself from because it's, you know, you have nature working against you. Um, sure, you can say, well, you can put it up for adoption. You can put the kid up for adoption. No, that's not. You can't. It's for the people who think that they can't alienate themselves from the kid that they sired. You have to respect that they might not be able to alienate themselves from the kid that they sired. Right, and they would rather not have like the like a forced bond with someone that um, is unalienable, and you can't just contract that out to somebody else. Right, and if they feel like they can't contract that immediate unity they have with someone else. They're probably right, and that should be respected. Right, so it's a forced family is a problem. That forced immediate union. Um, and now you're completely vulnerable to like all of their needs. All right? Like I said, imagine someone gave you a pet, except multiply that same like resentment you'd have for that times like a million. And that would give you, I think, the uh, a little bit of a sense of what's going on here. So I think that's what's at issue. And... We just need to be honest about, like, a lot of this has to do with who gets to have sex and why. And then the other part of it is people want abortion. Because 
they don't want to be forced into a family relationship. Right? And, and that's like a, a matter of right and freedom. That's distinct from personal autonomy. That's distinct from my body and my rules. You got to bring all of your arguments. Because, uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, but you bring all of your arguments to bear. And I think we'll have a more robust debate about the issue. Anything else I want to say? Yeah, yeah, good. Who gets to have sex? Why? Who gets to ask for sex? That's the whole thing, right? And who gets to have sex? Like all of these issues that swirl about American culture and they're tied to freedom. Um, just not the kind of shallow sense of personal bodily autonomy that the, and privacy that the, the argument, the current discourse depends upon. Right? So make a more robust argument. By the way, a lot of black people are pro-life, but there's like there are like five single-issue pro-black like pro-black pro-life people. Single-issue black pro-life people. We have other things on our mind. Plus, black people, even pro-life black people, they're not about using the government to force women to do things. That's what white people do. Like like black people don't create criminals. Use the law to create criminals to force other people like to do stuff. Uh, that's not what we do. Even if we're pro-life, we're not gonna be like, so now that I'm in power, I'm going to like impose this over women. Uh, that's, that's not the way white people think about law and gender because these things are racialized. That is the way white people think about law and gender, right? That's even the way white women think about law and gender. So yeah, you'll have more white women uh, I bet even as a percentage of the population who are single-issue pro-life voters, and you will have black men who are single-issue pro-life voters, or black women who are pro, um, uh, as, a, as a percentage of the population who are single-issue pro-life voters. We have other things on our mind. Plus, we don't use the law that way. All right. Thank you for your time. And I will see you on Thursday talking about something completely different. Peace.